welcome to the Nourishing Soulfully podcast. I'm your host Peter and I'm a certified intuitive eating pro skills facilitator and an eating psychology coach. I'm a qualified trauma-informed practitioner and wellbeing coach and all of this means that I support wonderful souls to heal their relationship with food, their body and themselves. In this week's episode, we're taking a look at how you can respect your fullness when eating. Within intuitive eating, there are 10 principles, one of which is respect your fullness. And fullness is a cue, just like hunger, which signals to us that we've had enough to eat, we're satisfied, but often there can be the misconception that fullness is just not feeling hungry. However, fullness isn't the absence of hunger, As hunger lessens, fullness begins to rise, but if we stop when we're no longer hungry, we'll be hungry again quite soon, which can be rather frustrating. So if we eat until we're comfortably full and satisfied, this fullness tends to sustain us for longer. It tends to sustain those energy levels for longer and um, our fullness for longer too. But if we eat past the point of comfortable fullness, We may have been distracted or not noticed our fullness levels or disrespected our body by ignoring those fullness cues. When this happens, it's all about being non-judgmental and not reacting to that panicky feeling that can bubble up when you're uncomfortably full. You'll find when you notice with gentle and kind curiosity that you don't get hungry as quickly and that your body will balance this out when you've eaten past the point of comfortable fullness. Fullness, just like hunger, is a direct experience happening in the moment within our body. So we have three pathways of awareness, body sensations, emotions and mind. Body sensations are sensations that we feel, which are physical and they originate from the body. Things like our heartbeat, hunger, fullness, a full bladder, physical sensations when it comes to emotions. And some of these will be really well tuned into for a For example, a full bladder will, for many, be a sensation you're familiar with. And I'm aware that this isn't the case for everyone, but we can learn to fine tune this awareness in terms of hunger and fullness to ensure that we also know when we're hungry and full. And this is something called interceptive awareness. So it's our conscious level of interpreting signals from within the body in the moment. And this fine-tuning of interceptive awareness is a shifting away from thinking about body sensations, the wandering and the pondering, towards the direct experience of actually feeling body sensations in the moment. So we're shifting away from thinking about if we're hungry or full to feeling hunger and fullness. And it's good to understand the theory behind intuitive eating, to understand what interceptive awareness is, because this will support you when it comes to your motivation and your drive to continue practicing. But intuitive eating is relearned through practice, through actions, not thinking, but noticing and feeling into your body. And in order to eat and move and live intuitively, we need to get out of living in our heads and live in our bodies. And as a society, we've become much better at speaking about how certain things make us feel in our mind. However, we can still struggle to fully tune into our body and what we feel physically within. So today we're going to work on tuning into your intuition 
And this activity is from the Intuitive Eating Workbook by Evelyn Trivoli and Elise Resch, who I trained with. And it is known as a perceived heart rate activity, which gives you the opportunity to feel into your body and measures your intuitive accuracy. So I'd like you to ensure that you're seated if you're gonna take part in this activity, feet on the ground and feeling comfortable with a pen, pencil and paper next to you. And then I'm gonna ask you to place two fingers on your wrist or neck to find your pulse. And I'll give you a moment to find your pulse and it can take a moment or two to find it. So don't worry, breathe calmly. So in a couple of moments, I'll let you know when I'm going to ask you to start counting your pulse rate. You're just gonna count the beats and I'm going to measure that for a minute. And then I'll let you know that when the minute is complete. Okay, so take a moment to get comfortable, get still, find your heart rate, whether that's on your wrist or your neck. Take a few deep breaths. And the minute will start now. Okie dokie, that's your minute up. So write down the number of beats on a piece of paper. Now the next part of the activity doesn't require you to place your finger on your wrist or neck. So what I'm going to ask you to do is sit comfortably again and just pop your hands in your lap comfortably or down by your side while sitting in the same position. And you're now going to try and perceive your heart rate without feeling for it. So we're gonna go about this in exactly the same way, but without you feeling with your fingers for the pulse, you're just gonna try and perceive it. So take a deep breath, get comfortable, and your minute starts now.
take you a minute is up. Write down the number of beats on your piece of paper. You may have really struggled with this, don't worry. You don't need to be super accurate with this. You may not have been able to perceive a heart rate at all, but you will in time. And the idea is that in time, with practice, the heartbeat number that you feel with your fingers, you will more or less around about be able to perceive without your fingers. And this practice is a brilliant one to repeat just before you go to sleep as it helps our brain to switch off. And it gives us that practice of tuning into our body. And this really helps with being able to tune into other sensations in the body, such as hunger and fullness, even if we're using our fingers to feel for the pulse for a little while yet. Barriers to interceptive awareness, so to tuning into the body, can be things such as stress, trauma, medication, illness, intense exercise, distraction, very rigid rules, and poor self-care. This only further emphasises why self-kindness goes hand in hand with intuitive eating. When that barrier disappears, and it can, we can overcome that barrier. We can feel these barriers and the effects of them. We can heal them. And we can at times eat more because our body is compensating for that time it wasn't being listened to. So for example, not sleeping to sleeping a lot, not eating to eating a lot for a short while, and then our body gets back into its groove. So we're looking to get out of living in our heads and into living in our body, noticing the signals our body is sending around hunger and fullness. And just like hunger, fullness can at times be silenced, so we may not notice the cues due to trauma, or stress or illness, medication, eating disorders, mood disorders, intense exercise, rigid rules, distraction and poor self-care. And this just means these meters for hunger and fullness are offline. It's not broken forever. It's just switched off for the moment. So some clients I work with may have to nourish their body and follow a schedule for eating for a short period of time to help these cues switch back on. And if we start off eating at an uncomfortable hunger, we tend to eat past the point of comfortable fullness. So both hunger and fullness feed into one another. They both affect one another. So I'd like you to grab your journal now and just journal on the following questions, which will hopefully help you to delve into fullness for you a little bit more. What does comfortable fullness feel like for you? How would you describe it? And what does unpleasant fullness feel like for you? How would you describe that? So you might find it useful to use the intuitive eating hunger scale. And it's a great scale to use when identifying your hunger and your fullness. And with the hunger scale, the idea is that a number one, so it goes from one to 10, a number one on the scale is painfully hungry. You may feel sick, you may be shaking, shaking. you may feel a bit dizzy, really, really hungry. And the 10 is that painfully full, you may feel sick as well there as well. So 
one and two are really distracting, you're really starving, you are ravenous. A three is that you're hungry and you're eager to eat something, but actually it's it's a comfortable hunger. You're you're quite looking forward to eating, but it's not distracting. A four would be that you could wait if you needed to. You're a little bit hungry, you're a little bit peckish. A five is your middle ground, so natural. You're not hungry, you're not full. Six is you have a slightly full stomach, but you could eat a little bit more. A seven would be that you are comfortably full, you are satisfied, and your hunger has gone for a while. An eight would be a little bit too full, don't really want anything else to eat. And a nine would be very uncomfortably full, feeling really, really, really full. And that 10 is that painfully full area. If you find numbers triggering, using the word form of the scale instead can be more helpful. And so using words such as uncomfortable hunger, pleasant hunger, neutral, pleasant fullness and uncomfortable fullness may help you with that. So increasing awareness when eating and noticing which foods truly fill us up and which don't is really useful when working on fullness. So for example, I love toast for breakfast. However, if I have toast, I know I'll need a second breakfast later on as it doesn't keep me full for long. But if I have eggs on toast or a smoothie, I know I won't need that second breakfast later on. Does it mean that I never just eat toast for breakfast? Absolutely not. But it means that on the days that I do, I know that there is potential for me wanting something else a little bit later on in the morning. And if I'm out of the house for meetings and I won't have a time to stop and enjoy a second breakfast, then I might make a more substantial breakfast to begin with or take snacks with me to top myself up. This is self-care. Looking ahead for the day and thinking, will I get hungry? Do I have meals and snacks with me or can I find something to eat when I'm out? And the clean plate club may be something that you're familiar with. This is the idea that we must eat everything on our plate, not leave anything. And it may be because it was a rule when we were a child and it may be out of politeness or an unwillingness to waste food. And when it comes to eating everything because you don't want to waste food, I'd, I'd really like you to consider what will happen to it if you don't eat it. Maybe you'll save it for later on or tomorrow or maybe it'll go in the bin. And goodness me, none of us want to waste anything. But if we eat purely for the reason that we don't want to throw food in the bin, then we're treating our body as a bin. We're showing ourselves with our actions that we have so little respect for our body that we would prefer the food to be thrown into our body rather than the bin. When tuning into our fullness, it can often be very useful to slow our eating down, especially as we get used to tuning in. So I recommend downing your eating utensils between each bite to slow down. Load your fork or spoon or chopsticks up, pop the food in your mouth and down the tools until you have swallowed that mouthful. Often what we usually get into the habit of doing is loading the next mouthful up as we chew the current one. And this means that A, we don't tend to enjoy the food as much as we're already sorting out the next load of food and not enjoying what we're currently eating. And B, we eat very quickly. So we're unable to notice when we're at a point of comfortable fullness. 
When we slow down our eating, it can feel rather awkward or uncomfortable at first as it's a new experience. And it can be useful to have a napkin and a glass of water to play with whilst you enjoy the mouthful of food, so to keep your hands busy. And with fullness, there are a range of things to consider. Barriers to fullness, beliefs about certain foods, history of eating, so for example, the clean plate club that I mentioned, creating time and space to eat, habits, learning which foods satisfy your hunger and have staying power, paired snack options and what they can mean for fullness, the last bite threshold, hunger and food satisfaction. But for now, because it's so much information, just learning to work with the hunger and fullness scale and eating mindfully is going to radically change how you feel your uh, into your fullness and your relationship with food. And once you're comfortable with this, you can then build upon it. I hope this has been a really valuable podcast episode. And if you have any questions around fullness, please pop an email over to Peter. That's P-E-T-A at nourishingsoulfully.com. For more information on intuitive eating and self-kindness, visit nourishingsoulfully.com. Until next time, be gentle, be kind. Remember, you're doing the best you can, always. Send lots of love your way.